everybody. Welcome to Guys 5 Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pellicone. You are listening to episode 104 of The Spin Chagrin, and last week's category was Casual Beatings. Casual so, Beatings. Frank, uh, what do you got for us for Casual Beatings? So I watched one movie because I thought maybe it would have Casual Beatings, um, and it had a very funny single casual beating in it, <laughs> um, and then some not-so-casual beatings. Yes. Um, and then I watched a second movie that also had a couple of really funny casual beatings and then some also not so casual beatings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then during, I, I think it was during the podcast that I brought up the movie that I thought we should watch that I assumed would have casual beatings, which had no casual beatings. No. And was also like a really fucking awful movie. Yes. Do you remember what your definition to me, like in the past couple of nights, was of what a casual beating consisted of? Uh, I don't you had, remember. You had two criteria for it, and I I can't remember the wording that you used, but <clears throat> I think the one movie um by one of those definitions might have had a casual beating, according to how you defined it the other night to me. Yeah. Like you're not doing it because it's your job or on purpose. It just kind of happens. And... Right. That was one of them, kind of. It's unexpected. The unexpected, you you define the unexpected in a different way, and I think that there's a casualness in one of the movies that I'll argue could be close to a casual beating in the bad movie that we both watched. <clears throat> I'll make that argument. Oh, when we, get we didn't both. We we didn't. I I didn't finish that bad movie. What? Yeah. Fuck that movie. I have two movies. <laughs> other I'll, than I'll, that movie. Okay. You, you, the the bad movie can be your adventure. Okay, I have Sorry. lots of adventures, but um, <clears throat> buddy, let me tell you, I got halfway through that movie and I was like, this is the worst fucking thing. I don't yeah. even like, even like the beginning part is really bad, but yeah, it just gets worse like as it goes. Yeah, it does. and we can talk about that, but I mean, yeah. like that first half is yeah. well, atrocious. Let's get that out of the way then real quick since you only watched half of it and then we can move into your casual beatings movies. Mm. Um, so the movie that you brought up last week was I See You. That is E-Y-E-I-C-U. It is called Detox in Other Countries. Um, D hyphen T-O-X. Um, is a Sylvester Stallone vehicle from like 2002, I believe. Um, yeah, What's the year? Yeah. And you brought it up, so I watched it, and you watched the first half, and the first mm. half is largely putting Sly over as this hotshot FBI serial killer-like um, agent. Investigator, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and none of it's believable. He doesn't no. feel like he's an FBI agent. He doesn't feel like he's a profiler. Um it feels like he's doing his rocky shtick, but just as an FBI agent. And he's tracking somebody down. Charles S. Dudden is his like supervisor, and he's tracking somebody down. He has this girl that he's in love with, and then, what, they get the wrong guy, right? And the real serial killer ends up killing his his girl, like hanging her. And gouging like, her eyes out. And gouging her eyes out in the... Drill, drilling her eyes out. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that's his stick. Is he waits till you he waits till you look in the fucking peephole in your door and he hits you in the eye with his drill. Yes, which is like feels like it was like a, a horror movie from like the eighties that we watched on the podcast one time. Uh, isn't there a, like a driller killer type? Like, well, the driller killer is the um, killer in a slumber party massacre. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then, but they're like the um, the rationale for like the serial killer of this kind of like quasi religious, like people are moral, women are moral or whatever um, was right out of that movie that we watched last year on the primary podcast from the seventies. And the name is escaping me. It was all right. Where it was like followed like three different girls that ended up getting killed um, by like a religious killer. Um, but all the men were toxic in it. And including the like there was a husband and wife that like were taking one of the girls in and the husband was like just trying to like effer and um what movie is this? it's a 70 it was like a, a oh 70s. oh um calendar girls calendar girls yes yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it felt the killer felt very much like in that vein so it's like a 30 year old killer stereotype and then afterwards in some really funny scenes to me, Stallone becomes a drunk. Yes. Um, and Charles S. Dutton see, finds him at a bar and is like, "What happened to you? You wanna, you wanna be over? You want it all to be over?" And like empties his gun except for one bullet and slides it across. Is like, "Do do yourself in or whatever. Like end it." And like Sylvester Stallone for some reason just shoots the ceiling. And then Charles S. Dutton is like, "What's wrong with you?" Right. It's like what? Like <laughs> he just shot the ceiling. Like you thought like you were trying to like taunt him into blowing his brains out. Like anyway, he That's goes to de- he goes to detox, hence the international name. Um, but the detox is for some reason like in like the Arctic or something, in a silo in an old silo or some shit. Like it makes no sense, and they're all former cops. And this is like where you got to and got bored, right? Uh, bored i don't know if it was the right word um there's a sequence of events where they're in this bunker so that's that's it's this old what cold war cold war bunker yeah that got sold to that the government sold to um this fucking dude to turn into like a i don't know like a yeah, rehab for clinic? cops, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Like for, like for law enforcement, because yeah. they're not just cops; they're all like brands of law enforcement. Sure. So Sylvester Stallone carries this face with him the whole time. That is, I don't even know. Like, like he's got like Bell's palsy or something. Like, <laughs> one side is just droopy, and the other side is kind of like stoic so he looks like bored sad and people are just mean to him kind of yeah yeah and there's the sequence of events where this woman who's from the lapd is like punching a machine and this guy who tried to blow his face off is being like somehow like condescending even though he tried to like kill himself yes like he somehow got some reason to like lord over fucking Stallone 
And then I guess what is he Irish or something? Yes. Irish cop who's like a dick, but also might be like the guy. And I just I was like, I can't watch this. Like there's nothing left for me in this movie. I can't I can't do it. Right. And so that was the end of that for me. Yeah. Um so ultimately, like this is the movie does get very boring at this point because Somebody ends up getting killed. Like they realize, oh, somebody inside of this group of people is killing, like, uh, like the people that are in the detox. Um, and then it becomes this kind of like, who is it? Can we trust people? And it like tries to turn into like a the thing, like suddenly because like sometimes they're outside like investigating shit, and sometimes they're like back inside, and everybody's in parkas. Um, and Charles S. Dudden is like. Like what's his name? Um, Scatman Crothers, like trying to get across like the the wintry landscape, like you know, to the detox because he's realized that the serial killer that they all thought they got, like they didn't get him again, and like he's like found out where Stallone is. Um, so ultimately, it ends up that like the killer, the serial killer, knew where he was going to go somehow, like got information and killed another guy who was going to the detox in route to the detox and then passed himself off as that like law enforcement official and had been there for like days ahead of time and integrated himself and was killing all of these like people at the detox um because that's his gimmick is he was killing one thing and then they stopped him because there's now like fuck you cops you stopped me from being a serial killer of normal people and I'm going to be a serial killer of cops. Yes. Which also was the stupidest premise. Yes. And it ends up being that Irish guy. Um so the Spoiler. end of this movie you're not going to watch it. I never, um, never. <laughs> the, the the end of this movie is where I would argue, it, like by your definition you gave me the other night, there is a potential casual beating. He fights the serial killer, and for some reason there's a bunch of like spikes down in this basement mm, area. Of course. Like, but it's like, they're just like, it's not like antlers, like Lost Boys. It's like, it's just spikes. For some reason there's just spikes. Um that are set up at like a 45 degree angle, I guess kind of in the air and Stallone as they're fighting. And then Stallone has gotten stabbed by this point, like in the shoulder, but it's like, he picks him up in a, like a gorilla press at some point. Um, kind of like, like Vader does like the emperor, like he like mm -hmm. just picks him up like suddenly and just throws him into the fucking spikes. And, like the guy is like impaled, like you know, still facing out from the spikes, and then taunts him as like you know, whatever. I'm never something dumb. Like I'm never leaving you or something. I'm always with you or something. Or like, oh no, I see you. That's what it is. <laughs> like I'm always gonna see you or whatever. And like Stallone's like, see this, and like picks him up off the spikes. Like does like like a kind of like you know, when somebody's on the top rope in wrestling is like gonna like like body slam them like off the top mm. like holds him like that and then just like tosses him face first into the spikes. Well, they can't see him anymore if he's face first. Right. So right. good. 
it was completely unnecessary. Like the second, like the the first toss is just dumb and gimmicky. The the second toss was completely unnecessary. He just like picks the guy up who's going to die anyway, and then throws him face first into the spikes this time. And that's really the end of the movie. Like there's like seriously like a thirty second denouement at that point. Nice. That's how it should be. Just like you know, like a. a like the what's the reverse of like an establishing shot like you know that like the the bird's eye like you know like with the place yeah. and there you know uh, like awful and it's like credits start rolling i'm like what like that was like the quickest like cut from like climax to like there's no th- doesn't really really feel like there's much of a hint like that much that like stallone and her are going to get the girl and the rehab are going to get together or anything like Maybe, but it's like still like you'd think there'd be more of an announcement, but there's not. It's just over at that point. Spikes to the face, done. Awesome. One goes in his eye. Of course, because that's <laughs> I see right, right, right. It's the name of the movie. Um, it's also um, whatever. Uh, just desserts. Yeah, I see a kid cut out the eyes of all these people. Yes, and now his eyes are cut out. So, thank you. Um, I know that up, and (laughs) um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I I watched that. Um, I, I saw, I, I see that. Cool. Uh, So, what did you watch then? So, I watched two movies. Mm -hmm. Um, both of which were their own version of enjoyable. Um, but one of which was a much worse movie than the other. Mm. Um, did you watch? Did you watch the other one I told you you should watch? Yeah. All right. I'm going to talk about that one second. I'm going to talk about the other one first. Yeah, and I, I think te- the other I, one. I texted you about the day. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't reference that movie specifically, but you should have called him the the gist of it. <clears throat> what I was watching. But yeah, go ahead. What's your first movie you watch? Oh, right, right. You, Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> I did get that you watched it, but I completely forgot because that feels like it was like 22 hours ago. Yes, it does. Um, So my Chagrin movie of the week is... Hold on, I don't know what year it is. Give me one second. 2009's Damage, which is an action film directed by a man named Jeff King. Uh, that stars Stone Cold Steve Austin and Walton Goggins and then some other people hmm. um, who looked familiar to me. But then when I looked them up, I realized I didn't know. So they're just like the, poor man's version of somebody else. The tagline for this movie is bring the pain. Well, that's what <laughs> happens okay. casually Good. a couple times. <laughs> All right. Um, so in this movie, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is a... Um, criminal, uh, felon who is paroled from prison. Um, he was in prison for uh, manslaughter, uh, they were murder, they don't tell you like what necessarily he did. Um, but he gets paroled and he gets out, and of course, difficult for him to find anything, so he ends up becoming a laborer on a construction site. Um, which even though they talk about how it's going to be really difficult for him to find a job, he finds this job, like the first day he's paroled from prison and they pay him in cash under the table. So 
Yeah. He basically has like a place to live and everything right away with without much inconvenience. Awesome. Um, so he goes to the bar that night and he's at a bar. Um, and there's this um attractive waitress at the bar who's getting harassed by like a group of um you know, like fucking yuppie scum. Like they're wearing nice clothes with good haircuts, but <laughs> trying to like touch her ass or something. Sure. So Stone Cold, like when they keep harassing her, um, just casually beats the shit out of like the main guy. Hmm. Um, well, I'm sorry, he chokes him out. So he picks <laughs> him up by choking him and lifting him up in the air and making him apologize to the woman. Um, and then throws him out on the street. Um, and the bartender is like, Hey, you want a job? And Stone Cold's like, Um, sure. And so now he's the bouncer at this bar. Um, so so he's he's protecting a woman. Um, he protected her. Okay. But I mean, like, he didn't even have to like strain himself to beat the shit out of this guy. So Mm -hmm. I figured it was like kind of casual. He probably didn't have to do Um, that to his wife either. So, oh, see, (laughs) can't bring real life into the spin stream, (laughs) but um, so then, uh, his boss at the um, construction site is kind of a dick. Um, is always like giving him shit like, ah, felon. I can do whatever I want to you. Cause what are you going to do about it? Right. So then you find out that, um, this woman like shows up at the, uh, the construction site and she's like, Hey, you're out of jail. You're out of jail because I sent a letter to the parole board saying that you deserve to be out of jail. But guess what? You murdered my husband and you don't deserve to be out of jail. Is that but how that my works? Daughter, okay. Yeah, but my daughter is dying of a rare heart disease. She needs a heart transplant. Mm. And you're going to pay the $250,000 that it's going to cost to get this heart transplant because we don't have insurance. What? And I was thinking. This, this is a bad plan. Right, this guy's making ten dollars an hour right. with no discernible skills, right. and you think that he's going to cover your like in what, like twenty five years? Or something? What is this plot? Like, right, she, that's... oh, like I know how I'm going to pay for my daughter's heart surgery. Yeah, I'm going to petition the state to get him out to of get jail. the man right that killed my husband out of jail and force him into menial labor and then make him pay for it. And she thinks that this is a good plan because he wrote her letters while he was in jail and said anything that I can do when I get out, I will do for you. And she's like, well, this is what I need. Aren't you going to do it? Um, so anyway, okay. so, but he says, okay. He's like, you know, I got you. I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then um, at the bar one night, he beats up these two jabronis who were like, um, where he separates them, these two jabronis get in this fight, and he kind of like separates them and is like tossing them around and is like, Stop fighting, and they won't stop fighting. So he kicks them both out. And again, this is like just casually stone cold, it's just you know, manhandling these like full grown men and like tossing them all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so Walton Goggins is there and he's talking to the bar, t- the bar, um, server lady. And you find out they're in a relationship and that Walton Goggins is a manager and promoter for underground fighting. Mm. Um, And he wants Stone Cold um, 
to become his underground fighter. Okay. And Stone Cold's like, no, nah, I'm not interested. So then the next day, um, Stone Cold gets fired from his job because the asshole boss said that he told him to clean up a scrap pile. And Stone Cold said, no, you told me to cut these boards. And the guy's like, well, you're fired anyway. So then the guy has a heart attack and Stone Cold gives him CPR and saves his life. Hmm. Um, but he's still fired. So this comes back later. So just remember that that happened okay. in this movie. Um, so then Stone Cold is like, well, now I don't even have my $10 an hour job. Um, maybe I should think about like doing this underground fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does. And I see Walton Goggins is wearing a cabbie hat. Yeah, he wears a cabbie hat. Walton Goggins dresses like he's in Donnie Brasco or something, basically. Like yes, it's same. a very it's, it's it's a very bad look. Right. Um brown leather. <laughs> he also has a pair of Cartier cufflinks that were a gift from his father. Um that he ends up pawning later because they need to put up money to get Stone Cold into fights because Stone Cold eventually becomes like works for Goggins and they're fighting each other. Mm. Um, anyway, so Stone Cold gets into a series of like underground fights and each one is in a different like rundown industrial area. So the first fight is in a cage in the middle of a parking garage where Stone Cold beats the shit out of a dude that has his teeth filed into points and wears like white contacts. So he looks like a fucking like blade reject. (laughs) Um, And Stone Cold beats him up, but uh, he refuses to kill him. So people think that Stone Cold is weak, kind of like, um, like he doesn't have the John Brickner. That's his name. Sorry. I, I, that's that's Stone Cold's character's name, Brickner. Awesome. Um, but then like he's gonna keep fighting. So then his next fight is no. I'm sorry, no one will sign him to a fight after that because they think he's kind of a ringer. Um, but also they feel like there's no, I guess like profit in it. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense why people won't sign him. I actually, for the entire length of the movie, never understood. And this is a really big plot point, the fact that no one will, like, front the money for this guy to fight, hmm. um, even though he's a promising, like, fighter. But I right. never understood why, necessarily. So then, um, Brickner has to go on this boat, and or no, go to the pier and fight this guy to Reno, Re- Reno is um, Goggins' name. Reno owes money to this supposedly Hispanic guy who is not Hispanic at all. Um, and they're going, he, he goes down there and he offers like, Hey, I'll pay you your money back. Just let my man like fight. And if what's, what's the deal they make? If, if stone cold wins, then his debt is forgiven. But if stone cold loses, then basically they get to kill Walton Goggins or something okay. like that. I don't know. It's a really sad, but then also Stone Cold makes a side bet that's basically like $15,000 or something. So they have this thing they call it a, a dog match where these people have dogs on leeches 
leashes um, at like the edge of kind of like that match between the big boss man and Al Snow, like where they mm-hmm. have like dogs, but this is like real like angry dogs and not just like friendly dogs. Right. Um. So anyway, so Stone Cold, of course, like beats the shit out of this dude and wins. Um. And then the guys like all happy, like whatever. They're, they're everyone's satisfied. Uh, and then he fights. Oh, so then um, the only other fight they can get now is on that guy's boat. Like that guy brings him to his boat and it's against his son, like the Hispanic guy's son. Um, and they're in a ring of cars this time. And Stone Cold beats the shit out of him mm-hmm. in the end. But then um, now they have like $150,000. And so the other, the brother, so there's two brothers of the Hispanic guy. And the one is the guy that Stone Cold beats up first. And then the second one wants a revenge match against Stone Cold. Um in order to like avenge his brother because Stone Cold beat the shit out of his brother. Mm-hmm. So they fight each other and in the, the father car? in the cars. No, no, no. Where are they? I uh, can't remember. I like these locations and gimmicks. They're in like a, they're in a warehouse. There's also a fight. So they show like a montage of fights at one point uh-huh. and Stone Cold fights this dude on top of um, tractor trailers. <laughs> Like, they're not moving. They're just, like, parked somewhere, but they're fighting on top of the tractor trailer. Uh And then he fights another dude in, like, a basement. Um, So, anyway, so he fights the brother, and he beats the shit out of the brother. And he keeps, like, asking the brother to quit, but the father won't let the brother quit. Until, finally, it would be, like, Stone Stone Cold would have to kill the brother in order to, um, like, win. And Stone Cold leaves the fight. So there's two subplots I'm going to talk about at this point because I can just talk about them all like at once and it doesn't matter. Okay. The first subplot is that Stone Cold is going to see his parole officer intermittently throughout the movie. And his parole officer doesn't pay any attention to Stone Cold, even though Stone Cold's got like bruises and cuts all over his face from being in these fights. Mm-hmm. The parole officer just says, well, you piss clean. I'll see you next week. And like, right. that's the end of it. Sure. And Stone Cold during these times is talking about how like he's losing his soul and um, he doesn't like like to to the PO. Yeah, like every fight is like taking it out of him and he doesn't know if he can go on. And Mm. um, so finally, like in his last meeting with the PO, he says, "Hey, raise your eyes and look at me when I'm talking to you. You at least have that much respect for me." And the PO does, and that's when you know Stone Cold is like, "I don't know if I can do this anymore," but of course he can do it until he doesn't have to do it anymore. Right. Um, the other subplot is that the guy that owned the construction company that Stone Cold worked for that he got fired from is named Veltz. Mm-hmm. And they show that to you a couple times when he's at the construction site. And then you find out that Reno is in debt to the guy Veltz that owns the construction company to the tune of $150,000. <gasps> but it's not Reno's debt. It is his girlfriend's debt. That's, what? um, yeah, uh, Frankie, who's the girlfriend. Um, she owed the money, but they don't ever say why she owed the money, but she did. And then Reno took the money on, 
and now it's his debt, and he can't pay it back, and Veltz is, like, threatening to kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you it this way because they don't ever explain anything about this until the end of the movie. They just kind of make reference to it like you're supposed to know or something. So mm-hmm. it ends up being just kind of like a non like a non plot point plot point. Right. But that's that's what happened anyway. Belt so is played after, for so, fans of the X Files is played by the cigarette smoking man. Yeah, that's who's Belts. Yeah. William William B. Davis. Mm-hmm. Um you don't see him until like twenty minutes left in the movie though. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even matter. Was he anyway, smoking immorally? Uh, he's drinking sensually with his <laughs> legs crossed. Awesome. Um, in the back of a so, limo? No, they're in his oh, mansion because okay. he's super rich. Gotcha. Um, so after the fight that Stone Cold walks out on, um, they beat the shit out of Walton Goggins. And he's basically like, I can't, you know, this is on me, blah, blah, blah. And Stone Cold is like, well, we're friends. So then, um, Veltz picks up. Veltz has his men pick up Stone Cold and bring him in. And he's talking, and he's like, "Look, you saved." Because it turns out that the guy that Stone Cold performs CPR on is his son-in-law, um, mm. who runs the construction company. And he's mm-hmm. like, "I'm really impressed with what you did, and I owe you a real debt, debt of gratitude because you saved my son-in-law's life." So. I'll, you know, I'll do any, like, I'll give you, like, one favor. And Stone Cold's like, well, I have to save the life of this little girl. Um, but she needs $250,000 for heart surgery. But I need 150000 to buy into this fight against, like, the underground fighting champion. So if you give me that 150000 so I can buy into that and win that fight, we'll consider it even. And he's like, well, that's a lot of money, but sure, like, I'll do it. So then they talk about how, like, Reno owes Veltz um, all this money. And Stone Cold's like, well, how much money does he owe you? And he says 150000 And then Veltz is like, look, I can either, like, save the life of this little girl or I can save Reno's life. And Stone Cold is like, Reno is my friend. Save his life. So that's what happens. So then now Reno's debt is conveniently forgiven. Okay, so Andrew's gotten no his more. ass beat, right? And the little girl's still dying. Yeah. And the woman, the mother of the little girl, who's treated Stone Cold like an asshole constantly um, because he killed her husband, she's starting to, like, soften on Stone Cold a little bit. Um, and then finally you find out that her husband was a fuck-up and a criminal, and Stone Cold killed him in self-defense. So it wasn't even, like, his fault that the husband died. It was the husband being an asshole. Okay. Um, So then the woman, um, Veronica is her name, the mother of the dying daughter, um, tries to kill herself, and Stone Cold saves her life. Um, And then Stone Cold goes to talk to the old man who's, like, the head of the um, underground fighting scene and he's like I don't want to stake you to fight this fight because I don't think you should but then he does anyway Um, and there's no reason they they tell this parable of it's like the parable of like the wounded slave or something like that 
Um, but they don't ever really tell it very well. And um, no, oh, this is Deacon. This this is the guy's name. Yo, so, oh my god. Not, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I know this actor. Yeah. Go ahead. So he's he's not gonna cover it, but then all of a sudden he is gonna cover it. So now the scene is set for um Stone Cold to fight the champion of this league. Um and the champion um is this this guy who you saw in the beginning of the movie, like beating people up. Yeah. Um and so him and Stone Cold get into this arena that is basically a chain link fence that's suspended by other chains above a pit. So when they step on it, it's like hell in the cell where they're like walking on the chain link fence, like on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so they start fighting each other. And of course, like every fight that Stone Cold gets in. He starts out by like getting his ass kicked for a couple of minutes. So it really is booked like um like some kind of like babyface run in uh in pro wrestling. Sure. Um but then Stone Cold has to so he has to find his rage. That's where Reno keeps yelling at him. Johnny, find your rage, Johnny. So they're fighting each other and the chain links break and they fall down into like the sub basement um underneath this thing they're fighting on and stone cold gets knocked into a or stone cold is standing there and the other guy like breaks this chain and causes these barrels to roll at stone cold um and he falls into this pit of oil and the guy's celebrating like yeah like i'm the winner blah 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 Mm. but then you see stone cold rise out of the pit of oil and everyone's like oh my god like who is this guy He's so tough. Uh And then Stone Cold's like, do you mind if we get this finished? And so him and the guy fight. And then, of course, like Stone Cold, like, hawks up and just, like, beats the shit out of the guy. Mm. Um, And then he's won. And they save the girl's life because um, now Stone Cold has, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars for winning this one fight. Um, So they save the little girl's life and the mother like kisses stone cold and it's kind of implied that maybe there's a future relationship there. Um, but then stone cold walks out with Frankie and uh, Reno and they're like talking like about how they're friends. And Reno's like, let me tell you the story of the something slave or whatever. And stone cold's like, that's a parable. Um, and that's how, that's how it ends. Huh? That's uh that's a lot. That's a lot for that movie. Yeah, there really is, like, a huge amount of, like, subplots happening underneath the the main plot. Yeah. But none of them are very complex. It's just there's so many of them. But they all resolve themselves, like, neatly. You know, it's like nothing... There's never any kind of um, doubt that he's going to, like, win the money or, you know, like, you never feel like that Reno's going to die or anything. Like, you know, everything's going to work out in the end. Sure. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I was trying to look up this guy that played the champion, Tony Bailey, and I'm having difficulty. I think he's a he was a legit fighter with like an 0 3 record, um, in MMA and now does stunts and even did stunts on Austin's next movie, 
Um, so Austin must have took a somewhat of a liking to him. Uh, but yeah, I was hoping there were, he was somebody, but he's not really. So anyway, that's damage. Yeah. Oh, uh, and the reason it's called damage is because Walton Goggins wants to call Steve Austin's like finishing combo the damage. And Steve Austin creative. Yeah. He's, he but, doesn't like it. No. And that really never goes anywhere either. And they never bring it up again. But yeah. it's just, it's like, oh, that's the title of this movie. Right. Right. Um, it feels like there's like a lot of reasons it could be called damage other than throwing in a finisher name that is rejected. Yeah. Like there's it's a lot of damage going on here. Steve Austin is damaged and. Right. Every- Damaged. Little girl's heart's fucking damaged. Like, yeah, fucking Walton Goggins gets damaged. Like, oh, and the reason the mother was going to kill herself is because she assumed that her heart would be a match for her daughter, even though her daughter is nine and she's like a 30 something year old woman. And her heart is <laughs> this mom's short. not very bright. Yeah, like... she's really... I mean, but you know what? Isn't she? Because it worked out in the end. Like, she got exactly what she wanted. No. Not because her plan worked, eh. like necessarily. Didn't it? <laughs> she somehow got Steve Austin to earn. So the other thing, too, is during the fight where Walton Goggins gets beat up, that Stone Cold loses, not because he loses, but because he walks out on it since his opponent never turned, never quit. Mm-hmm. They ponied up $150,000 they had already earned. So... Stone Cold literally earned like $400,000 in the course of a month after being paroled. Right. So I don't know. Maybe she knew something that we don't. I don't know. Maybe. Old Veronica. <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, that's um, that's damage. But you said it was fun, though, huh? Yeah, oh, sure. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's got some good fight scenes. Um, Walton Goggins, obviously, capable actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I texted you and Orion this morning that Stone Cold is a perfectly serviceable actor as long as you don't ask him to show emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, unless the emotion is just, like, mild anger, kind of. Right. Um, which is what he has here all the time. Um, but yeah, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. For being exactly what you think it's going to be when you read the description, it actually kind of exceeds your expectations a little bit. Yeah. So, all right. So, what was the chagrin of watching this? That's like a like a five. I mean, it was not the greatest movie ever, but you know, it's fine. Okay. Um. All right. Cool. Um. It seems like Alston's movie so far is this the third one, second or third one? There's condemned this was there another one i'm pretty sure i watched another one yeah it feels like you did um it feels like they're all at least like like watchable yeah i don't think he does anything that's like necessarily like bottom of the barrel right i don't know i mean they're all (laughs) straight to video low budget but they're fine yeah okay that's good um, Condemned, Damage. This was a movie after The Condemned, actually. It was. Um, this was a second starring, like, like, like feature. Um, 
I don't think you've watched any of these other ones, or at least not for the spin chagrin. Let me see. He's in really good shape with this movie, too. Mm. Well, I've seen The Longest Yard, but I guess that doesn't count. Sure. And I've seen The Expendables. Right. But as a star, like, there's The Stranger, then there's Hunt to Kill, um, Recoil. I think Knockout is one of his, yeah. Tactical Force. Maximum Conviction. Didn't I watch Hunt to Kill? Oh, my God. Steven Seagal's in that with him? Uh, oh, is this the one? Hold on. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, I think this is the one. No, uh, I don't know. No, maybe not. Oh, no, I'm getting confused with the Randy Orton movie. That's what I'm thinking of. I don't think you watched another Austin movie. Well, I think it was me playing. It does. You got plenty there. Um, so what was the second movie? <clears throat> oh, I know the second movie. Never mind. <clears throat> the second movie is one that I um actually had you watch. Yeah. Um it was something I just I don't even know why, like what inspired me to watch it. Um, but I was sitting here one night and didn't really have much to do and was flipping through and I saw it was on Hulu and it was something that um you and I had watched a trailer for uh I think late last when year. I came back from Thailand yeah. last time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is 2023's Mobland, um, starring uh, Shiloh Fernandez, Stephen Dorff, John Travolta, Kevin Dillon, um, Ashley Benson. Mm-hmm. The trailer itself had some stuff because you. I remember saying to you like, it doesn't look like great, but it also doesn't look like it would be like terrible. Like it looks like it could do some stuff well, right? Um, and honestly, that's about what it is. Like 100. percent Like it's not the best movie in the world um but it's also not a terrible movie and it's got some kind of cool stuff that happens in it and some good performances Mm -hmm. um very run-of-the-mill storyline wise um very derivative yeah very derivative and actually like not very believable in certain elements um especially the character progression of the steven dorf character Mm -hmm. um which I felt at first was ripped off from uh, um, Anton Chigurh in uh, There Will Be, or um, oh, no, no Country for Old Men. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Um, this guy who, like, is this, like, stone-cold, like, psychopath killer who asks, like, weird philosophical questions of people and then, like, also is kind of a murderer uh, without right. any kind of remorse. Um, so anyway, I don't know if we really need to, how much I really want to talk about. I mean, like, there's not a lot that actually happens, honestly. I mean, I think you can give the synopsis and, um, Shiloh Fernandez is this honest, but down on his luck auto repair man who's working in like the small, um, economically downtrodden town, uh, living with his beautiful wife and daughter, um, He's working, like, kind of um, for cash, like, under-the-table repair jobs for this guy who ends up having to let him go because of economic troubles. Um, His cousin is this 'er ne'er-do-well, played by Kevin Dillon, who wants him to be part of this um, heist scheme that he has 
where they're going to rob this pill farm um, that exists in this, like, strip mall. Um, the idea being that they'll steal the money and then just, like, run away with it. But then Kevin D- Dillon, um, well, the Shiloh Fernandez guy accidentally shoots one of the guards of the pill mill. And then Kevin D- Dillon shoots another one of the guards but doesn't kill him. And then it turns out that it's the, like, Louise, like, the New Orleans mob controls it. And they want their revenge. And they knew who it was because, I guess, the guard that Kevin Dillon shot recognized Kevin Dillon's voice. And then... Um, there's also this like subplot that becomes like um, not really important but permanent, like more pertinent later. That John Travolta is related to the um Shiloh Fernandez character and is the sheriff of the town. Um, and is one of those like almost like, very similar to um the Tommy Lee Jones sheriff in uh, No yes. Country, where right. he's a guy that's just you know, has some element of, like, confidence to him, but doesn't really need to do anything because it's a sleepy town, and it's just, like, you know, they have their drug problem, but mostly it's just just him and his deputy just kind of, like, issuing speeding tickets and stuff. Yeah. Um. So the Steven Dorf is the um, assassin hitman that's being dispatched by the Louisiana mob, um to take care of this problem and he ends up killing um Kevin Dillon and then forcing this is and the, this is the part where the storyline is kind of just maybe a little too like unbelievable um where he forces uh Shiloh Fernandez into like work for him kind of mm-hmm. um to kill like the people that witnessed the robbery so that there's no loose ends um, but obviously, like, is going to kill Shiloh Fernandez. Like, sure. I don't know how he's so stupid that he doesn't understand that. I mean, I guess they have his wife and daughter they're threatening him with. So I guess that makes sense. But anyway, obviously, like, Shiloh Fernandez ends up getting killed at the end to save his wife and daughter, basically. Um, and Dorf has this, like, weird, like, crisis of conscience because I guess he's come to really like Fernandez as they've like spent time together murdering people mm-hmm. um and ends up turning around and killing the head of the mob and also um his henchmen um and then goes and gets the money um and basically like donates it to uh the the mother and daughter of Fernandez and then there's this thing that happens at the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie where they're talking about pig pig hunting and John Travolta talks about being like an excellent um, marksman, and then he ends up assassinating Stephen Dorff at the end of the movie. After Dorff has kind of like had this, whatever, reawakening of his spirit or something—I don't know. Right. So it's kind of a it's kind of a stupid plot in the sense that some of it doesn't make a whole lot of like sense. Um, but it's really well acted. Um, I thought it was really well directed too. Like, I think that, um, this Nicholas Maggio guy that directed it, um, actually has a lot of like just natural talent and it felt like kind of a sleepy, like rust belt noir, which I think is, um, an interesting idea. I know like more, it's like more in the South, but like that economically repressed, um, 
I mean, it felt like kind of like No Country or something, like, or maybe even um, Blood Simple or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it had a similar feel to those movies. Less um, wintry, but uh, what's the Winter's Bone? Like, you know, something oh, yeah, like sure. that for yep. younger yeah. listeners, maybe? Yeah. I mean, not nearly as great a movie as that movie, but... Sure. I thought that... I thought the performances were all really good. Yes. I was really surprised by how good Travolta was in this movie mm-hmm. in the sense that it was a very restrained, sad performance by him. Like it was nuanced, I thought. And I didn't know, wouldn't have thought that he had that in him still. Yeah. Um, it's the best thing I've seen him in since. Um, uh, who did he play in um, the OJ story? Uh, Shapiro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was really good in that too. Yeah, that was the last thing I saw him that he like really like showed his acting teeth still to me, and th- this was good. Yeah, but I thought the Shiloh Fernandez guy who I didn't know at all, um, did a really good job. Um, I thought Kevin Dillon kind of played just Kevin Dillon in a lot of ways, but I thought that was a good performance. Yeah. Um, I thought that the writing with Dorf wasn't the best. Um. Because they kind of just made him too. They didn't really give him enough humanity until all of a sudden now you're supposed to believe that he's got this like soul to him or whatever. Right. When he's talking about how he was like abandoned as a child. and, and... Yeah. <clears throat> what it is is like that scene almost should have come earlier. Yeah, that would have been a good conversation for him to have with the waitress instead of asking her something. Yeah. Like, I mean, right. if, if somehow or if they just would have. Maybe like rewritten where that conversation happens, <clears throat> like before he murders like the office worker or something. Um, yeah. Like you know, just because there, it felt like the having that conversation where you have it. It's like ten minutes of screen time later, and he's had this like change of heart. And I think if you would have let it sit for a little while, it would have been more believable. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> um. So let's talk about the casual. But dwarf is good though. What's that? I, I, Dwarf is good though. I think you didn't finish. Oh, yeah. You want to say even though you didn't care for the writing, some like uh, he's he's excellent in it. He he elevates the character to be yes. greater than what it's written as. Agreed. And I do think that um, I do think there are parts that are made better by the combination of the director, like filming him really well, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's not like it's it's then that's the thing is it's one of those movies that. It's not. It's never. It's not something we're going to talk about like twenty years from now as being like a seminal movie in the noir genre. But I think that this director has the ability to have that in him, where he could get you to that point because he understands framing and pacing. Some of the shots in this movie are absolutely beautiful. I think. Yeah. Um. Again, I think he elevated these actors. Like, the performances are all really good in this movie. Um, It's just silly at points, and that's the only downside to it. But honestly, like, there's so many of these movies that are, like, super pretentious. Like, what was that one that you and I watched independently last year that had Ray Liotta in it? Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Where Ray Liotta, like, runs this, like, high-stakes card game for the mob. Right. Yeah, I can't remember what that movie is. But anyway, though. it's like something like that where like similar in the sense of like good, you know, with some good performances, but 
falls like far shorter just because it didn't have the the strength of the direction to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm not sure. I tried to look up um to see how old this guy is, um, Nicholas Maggio. Um but who wrote and directed the movie. But um yeah, it's a it's a it's a good debut. I mean, I'll give him that. Like, I mean there's there's nothing wrong with it. Um at all. Like, I mean, it's derivative, but um filmed well, good performances in it. Um those actors do elevate the the dialogue i think but um no it was an enjoyable movie i liked it um and i think it's a good addition to that kind of what did you call it like rust belt noir type yeah. you know setting and stuff like that yeah um so the casual beating in this movie <laughs> yeah so steven dorf is looking for trying to find um these people trying to find dylan and um fernandez so he's in town and he's doing his shtick um, with this guy that runs like a local auto shop slash, you know, like convenience mart type thing. And Dorf is trying to kind of trying to restrain himself and not be like a huge asshole because he's still, you know, he just wants to like get in and out of this like shitty town that he's in. Um, so as he's that after he's gotten nothing from the guy. And he gets a call from his boss, like, in the mob that he needs to come outside as he's walking out. This other, like, big, like, hoss, like, hillbilly comes in and bumps into him. And is basically like, watch where the fuck you're going. So, Stevendorf, obviously, is this, like, badass, you know, assassin kind of guy. Which I think is really, like, a trite trope in these movies anymore. Is like, this older kind of, like super effective like martial artist slash like killer kind of guy which is what dwarf is playing here Mm -hmm. um but he lets it go because he's still just you know like i gotta like get through this i don't need to like cause any trouble so he goes out and he talks to his boss in the car and his boss is basically just like this condescending prick to him almost Mm -hmm. um including like dwarf lights a cigarette and the guy basically says, "If you ever light a cigarette in my car again, well, it's, it's it's extra ridiculous because he waits till he lights the cigarette and then is like, like put that out, <laughs> and then yeah. yeah, and then threatens him at the end. It's like if he ever lights another one, he's gonna like yeah, like kill him with concrete or something, concrete block or some shit. Yeah, I'm gonna like yeah, he's a dick. Your head yeah. yeah. So now Dorf, because Dorf can't like talk back to him because that's like his boss. Mm-hmm. He just has to take it. But now he's like super super pissed." Mm-hmm. And walks outside, and the guy, the hillbilly that, like, bumped into him is doing something under his car hood. And Dorf just, like, walks up, kicks his knee in, bashes his head with the fucking hood of the car, and, like, locks him in his own trunk. And it just happens, like, so fast. And it just, it made me laugh really hard because I watched this movie after we did the podcast, so I was looking for casual meetings anyway. Right. Um, and I was like, oh my god, that's like the most casual meaning. Because Dorf doesn't even break his stride to do it, it. It really is. No, I popped. Like, like one, because I knew, I knew he was going to beat that dude's ass after the bump. And the guy's like, yeah. go fuck yourself or whatever. Um, but then it like went to the next scene and I was like, okay, like I thought that's where it would happen. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I popped like when it happened after like the scene with the balls. Yeah. Yeah, is is really funny. Made me laugh really hard. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, just 
really like an enjoyable movie, much better than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Better than the trailers made it seem like it would be. Um, unfortunate that it's like this specific genre, because I think this is really played out. God, there was another movie I watched too, not too long ago. Who's in that? There was another one where I think we both watched it. It's got um, Woody Harrelson plays the bad guy in it. Um, it's about this guy who was a steel worker, but then went to jail for like involuntary manslaughter because he caused an accident because he was drunk one night and his fiance left him and his father has cancer and he finds out that his brother is like in hock to Woody Harrelson because his brother basically does like bum fights kind of like does this underground fighting circuit and um, you know, uh, did you watch yeah. this movie? Uh-uh. Let me look it up and see it's, what it's called. It's recent. Uh, yeah, maybe in the past couple of years. Okay. No, I'm um, looking. I don't see. I would argue that it's out of the wild. furnace. Is that it? Yeah. What is it, like 2017 or something? Uh, 13. Yeah. So. I did watch this now that you said it. Yeah. As and this soon as is I saw the name, I remember it. But that's all it's it's very similar just mm-hmm. because yeah, Christian Bale, Casey Affleck, yeah, Willem Dafoe, Forrest Whitaker, Zoe yeah. Sedana, um, Sam Shepard. Yeah. Really great performances, but just kind of like I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm like tired of these stories, but the whole like Rust Belt Noir, I think at times is like an unexplored genre, but at times is also like a way, way overdone. Yeah. The, um, the, the rust, the, the, the rural, like everything wants to be like justified. Like this, like drug ridden backwoods Appalachian like County. It feels like, um, where it's like, Drug uses run rampant. Everybody's poor as fuck. And I'm not saying that's not even the case, but it feels like that setting is too used as the backdrop for these movies with sure. with, with no nuance to it. Does that make sense? It does. And a lot of it is just pulled from four seasons or five seasons of Justified mm-hmm. with what, you know, however many seasons that was. Because that show did it better than almost anybody, really, in terms of like that idea, this setting, you know, in rural Kentucky or whatever. Um, but I think that those movies are all good. Like I thought Out of the Furnace was a good movie. Um, I enjoyed this movie a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's good enough that it elevates itself beyond those uh, the, that kind of baseness of that genre in the past fifteen years or so. I would say, um, yeah. No, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm assuming that your grin is like very low here, right? Yeah, like a, a three, maybe. Hmm. Maybe I, there there's just, enough just to... a just a runtime thing. Yeah, that and also. I thought some of it was a little unbelievable at times. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I didn't, I don't know necessarily that. Um, 
I don't know that I necessarily believe that a lot of that stuff would happen um, in the way that it did. Right. Right. All right. Um, yeah, the runtime I just thought like was just a, it's just a tad tad long, and it really wasn't even that long, but it just felt a tad long. Yeah. And it was intermittent. It'd be like every like ten minutes is like why is this scene going on this long? Like, but I I think that that's something that this guy will will master eventually. Yeah. Like I was impressed enough with. I thought there's a chase scene in this movie that I thought was really well done. Mm -hmm. There's just the way he shoots things at night and the way like he uses natural light. Like there's a lot of like golden sunlight and stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. just really, um, uh, really interesting and really, really well done. And I'm like, I kind of feel the same way I felt when I watched like Mandy or color out of space where you're Mm -hmm. watching like, someone without a whole lot of like film credits to him. And I know color out of space is like Richard Stanley. So I mean, it's a guy who has like a lot of experience, but hadn't like done a film in a long time. We're just exciting to see like what comes next for that person. So agreed. Yeah, no, I'll watch this next thing. All right, let's go ahead and see what you are going to be looking for for the next week or so. Share sound. Category for next week is It's Getting Tired in Here. Category for next week is It's Getting Tired in Here. Well, let's talk about ICU because. (laughs) Right. Um, There's like 18 categories ICU could probably fit that's on this wheel, I I think. Um, But yeah, it's getting tired in here. That's good. Something with a sleep study? I don't know. Let's. You're you're always you're always trying to fuck me up. Like, don't don't give me suggestions. I'll find it on my own. I'll find I'll uh, find the center of this chagrin. Write that down. Don't forget. Um, I'm going to give you a suggestion every single week, just to. I know, and it'll make me angry every single week. In here. All right. See, you could play with the idea of where here is, you know, um, all kinds of stuff. So we we're going to watch a couple trailers. Uh, the biggest thing we were going to do uh, out of these trailers, though, just so everybody has the context for these, because they are not the clearest thing in the world. If you run a, uh, come upon them like on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or something like that is um there's a series of three trailers for a upcoming movie called Long Legs. Those of you that have listened to The Quick Cage um have heard this movie referenced uh occasionally by us. It is an upcoming movie that has Nicolas Cage in it. Um and is directed by uh is this the Oz Perkins? Yes, Oz Perkins. Um who we've discussed previously Twice on no three times on the podcast is that right Frank? Yes, yes, um, several. Black Coast Daughter, I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, and uh, Gretel and Hansel. Yeah. Um. Um. And he has a new horror movie coming out in this year at some point, although it's not decided on when it will be released. 
<laughs> and what are your general th- your your thoughts on him as overall? Like you, you're no, I I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Gre- Gretel and Hansel is unfortunately um, not that's great. Just a little pretentious, but oh. still like a decent enough. It, it, it looks really nice. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for historians, he is um the son of Anthony Perkins. If you did not know that. Uh, so he's a nepo baby <laughs> um but uh talented filmmaker um blacko's daughter is like one of my favorite horrors of the yeah. 2010s um after you have me watch that um it's it's pretty amazing horror movie um so he has this new movie out but they're releasing these like 30 35 second teasers um with very sparse movement or just still images uh, with sound over top of it that is incongruous to what is happening on the screen itself. Uh, there are three titles to them. Um, you can probably type in Long Legs Trailer and find like all of them on YouTube pretty easily. Uh, but there is um, every year there is another. We've been waiting for her and remember to say your prayers are the three um, short 30-some second trailers. <clears throat> so, and you've seen all of these, right, Frank? Yeah, uh, no, I have not seen one of them. Okay. Um, so the first one that was released last week um, is every year there's another. It's a still image um, of like kind of like an old like uh, 80s like, uh, you know, picture like from film um, of obviously a birthday party with a probably husband, wife and their daughter um on the screen all of them smiling uh so let's go ahead and watch this it's only 30 seconds long 
but it's very quick when you're trying to like scan through but yeah i can't capture one like to see it but um letters also appear at the very end of all of these but they're not english mm. or at least it doesn't seem like they are so i don't know here i'll show this with here real quick frank they appear at the end like something like this oh it's like a, a cipher yeah um and obviously, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, hold on. One L O N G L Long. No, that doesn't make any sense either. One. Oh, it's long legs. L E G S L L O N G S. Long. Oh, no. No. L O N G L E G S. Yeah. So, yeah. Long yeah. legs. Yep. Um. <clears throat> so I guess they are given the title technically in it, but it's just in a cipher. So yeah, I thought that was really cool last week when I saw me too. it. It um, actually reminds me of um some of the initial trailers for Sinister, mm. um, which is kind of a. I wasn't watching stuff back then. Is it something similar? I guess then. It's a similar idea in the sense it's like the Bagul uh, monster is hidden within um, like these film strips that are all take place at the scenes of the murders mm. of um, these families. Have you ever seen Sinister? Oh, yeah. I really like that movie. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it, it's really well done. And actually, that's one of my favorite parts of sinister in general is the idea of the um the hidden uh hidden stuff in the the frames of the the film strips that right. um what's his name is watching yeah uh ethan hawk yeah. ethan hawk yeah yeah so yeah no, I, love, a... I, I love the build of mystery to a movie like this where it's all just like really brief mm-hmm. yeah so the uh the second trailer i this is the one i sent you yesterday i don't know if that's where you saw it or not um but, uh, here we go. So this is just a single camera. Um, looks like there's a priest that looks into the room at the camera. Walks back into the middle of the room and a father comes with an ax at him. <laughs> Old Paul Bearer there. Um... <clears throat> That's Nicolas Cage's voice, I think. It is, yes, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, um, it's absolutely, yeah, I listened to it a couple times yesterday and it sounded like him to me. Oh, I don't know what that cipher is. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, then it shows a woman at the at the very end, like looking at a. Um, Add all the ciphers like onto like a big like board with like you know it looks like crime scene photos and different yeah, ciphers yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and I'm assuming that's the uh, protagonist of the movie. Um, and then lastly, there is uh, the third one. This is I think new to you, Frank. No, this is the one that we watched last week. Which one? The say your prayers one. Uh, I don't know. Let's see it. I don't think so. You only seen two. You don't know what I've seen. 
This looks like detectives moving hay and prying up some sort of coffin, maybe, with a big cross on it. Underneath, there's a note in a box. It flashed to the happy birthday image, too. Hmm. And then just a still image of someone Another sitting cipher. covered in a black sheet and then another cipher here. Uh, I think these are really inventive, and it makes me, whether the movie ends up being good or not, it makes me really excited to watch that movie. Yeah, 100%. Um, feels like it has like a little bit of a, I mean, I know the new season just came out, but first season True Detective vibe to me a little bit. Yeah. Like in the way it's like these, some of these scenes look like they're filmed. <clears throat> like slow, methodical. Like not moving the camera like too much in some of these like live action shots, um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, have you seen the Abigail trailer? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, so we'll watch this another horror movie trailer and then we'll call it a night. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. So I'll just let you watch it. Um. Uh... Yeah, movie's called Abigail. It comes out this year. Nutcracker sweet, huh? Mm-hmm. Let me turn it down. That's blast people's ears. You all came highly recommended. You know the rules. No real names, no backstories, no cell phones. So whose kid is she? A very wealthy man who's about to be $50 million poorer. It's a little kidnapped kid, it seems. What's your name? Mine's Abigail. You can call me Joey. Do you have any kids? I have a little boy. See you in 24 hours. And all these people that are there to keep track of her or whatever get locked down. If you behave and do as we say, I think he promise you it'll all be over soon. Joey? Yeah? I'm sorry about what's gonna happen to you. What the fuck? Yeah, we're locked in now. Shit, we gotta get out of here. It's boy Kevin Durant there, man. Yeah, I know. Amy. Vampire. A ballerina vampire. Okay, how do we kill a vampire? What are we talking about? Like an Anne Rice or a True Blood? You know, Twilight? Stake through the heart. Daylight is a big one. All right, let's go kill us a fucking vampire. Ready? I like the premise, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I like Ready or Not, too. What can I say? I like playing with my phone. 
Then that they're like, I fucking hate ballet. You trying to get one, to the ballot once, once a year? Like, they trap a bunch of bad people in so she can kill them or something. Yes, I think that's what it's going to be. Um, is that like they they're hired under these false pretenses because they're not great people generally. Um, and they probably all have their own special skill sets or whatever. Um, so it makes it seem like it's whatever, a heist, a crime, something along those lines. And then like, the, yeah, they're food for her because they're bad people. And then they don't feel quite as bad about these people being like slaughtered for her. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, it looks good. Yeah, it looks fun. Um, yeah, it looks like it's a fun movie. Uh, she could be the daughter of that guy from um, Damage with her. No, with her maybe. Teeth. He got his ass beat though by Steve Austin, so I don't know. Yeah, they should have Steve Austin in this movie. No, Steve Austin should be in every fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Um, any anything else you want to talk about this week, Frank? No, I don't think so. All right. Pretty um, pretty pretty fun week for movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I will just quickly say as an update uh, before we go, uh, the other thing you tasked me with was watching uh, Jesse Stone, Stone Cold. Um, oh, yeah. And I not only watched Stone Cold, well, Amazon lied to me about the years of release. So I ended up watching called one called Death in Paradise, which is a Jesse Stone TV movie. Um, found out that was the third one that was released. Then I went ahead and watched Stone Cold, which is the first one that was released on television. And then I was going to watch this. And then I found out the second one was a prequel to Stone Cold. So and it was like a flashback. So like I ended up having to watch that. So I watched three Jesse Stone movies Um, and they're fine. Like, I don't have any like they're not great. Like, they're not going to set the world on fire. But um, there's nothing necessarily really to shit on the movies other than the fact that it's like, um. An old boomer crime writer who's a good writer, like Robert Parker is a pretty good writer overall of crime, but um this kind of like, you know like guy that's ripped out of the nineteen forties in terms of like, you know, he's always good looking, so all the women want him. Um, but he's also sad and loyal and, you know, divorced, but he's still kind of in love with his ex wife and feels bad about it. And he's a drunk on top of it and yeah. loves dogs, you know, must love dogs. Um in order to you know show a sensitive side underneath of all of it um but he's a drunk but he only drinks when he's not on the job um me too um you only drink when you're on the job um i only drink when i'm on the hobby um <clears throat> never mm. never on the job um <clears throat> but um yeah, but they're fine. Like they're 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 actually pretty decent like stories, like each of them, like individually, like in terms of like there's a little bit of murder she wrote type thing where there's like why is there so many dead bodies in this like really small town? But um at the same time, like they're they're pretty well told stories. A lot of them end up with like 
him being so cool that he lets it like he just like says a few things and like lets everybody else kill each other kind of um so it's a very like elmore leonard-esque type thing at times um but they're fine like there's nothing overly offensive about them like whatsoever other than they're a little outdated um but yeah i watched three of them i might watch the rest at some point who knows um but um so yeah like i wasn't like offended by them whatsoever and i actually found some found them enjoyable to throw on in the background and have on so cool all right um so next week uh 105 it's getting tired in here Um, it is it's getting tired now because i gotta get up in the morning that's why that's why i said it thanks for listening everybody have a good week all right bye